You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you're looking for a battery for your truck, a battery for your trail camera, or literally everything in between, including specialized batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery retail store and talk with a battery specialist. There are thousands of locations all over the United States and If you want to find out more about the batteries they sell, the culture, visit their website, interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome, folks, to the Freshwater Bite Podcast, your source for everything freshwater fishing. I'm your host, Lee Kleino, and on this podcast, you will hear from diehard anglers like yourself, the backstories of those anglers, techniques they use, gear reviews, and everything in between. So if you like fishing, turn it up, because this episode's about to kick off right now. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming back and joining me for another episode. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one because it's very unique. And I am joined by Martin Schlesgia. I think I said that right. And he is the Airborne Angler. So anybody from the Michigan area, specifically the Saginaw Bay area, You've probably run across some of his reports uh, that he does and gives us all a new perspective of the bay from thousands of feet up in an airplane. So Martin is a great dude. I had such a fun time talking to him. You can kind of see how uh, curious I am during this podcast. But what's unique is you can see how his curiosity and love for walleye fishing and the bay and how he evolved using you know, a certain set of skills our unique set of skills, as I think Liam Neeson says in a movie. But anyways, Martin shares a ton of great information with us, not only from uh, you know what he's looking for when he's up in the air and the kind of information that he's providing to to keep anglers safe and to give them just another you know tool in their bag to to use to go out to chase fish on on the bay. But he also talks about how he uses his GPS and how he scouts the bay. Uh, when he's on the water and he provides a ton of great information on his uh, social media pages and his website, theairborneangler.com, um, of how to locate these fish on your sonar. Um, he also uses something called the Spydro fishing cam, which is like a camera that ties to your line. You can see how the fish react to the, your bait and how your bait is pulling in the water. And he kind of breaks this down for us um, to give you Again, more tools and more things that you can explore to see uh, if it's a good fit for you. And, uh, you know, if you like what Martin's doing over at the Airborne Angler, make sure you follow him and look at some of his programs that he has. And, uh, yeah, if you feel like you need to you need to reach out to him, please feel free to do so. But, again, I'm going to get right into this podcast. It's, a, it's such a pleasure to talk to him. And, like I said, I'm a fan, and I hope you guys become one, too, after hearing more about Martin. So here we go. Oh, well, that was embarrassing. Sorry about that. Oh, no worries, man. I I pushed us back anyways. Uh, I, 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 two years of doing this, I've never had to update my call recorder before. And today, I guess, was the day I had to update it. So now it's updated. Good to go. So I appreciate it, man. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for agreeing to do this and come on the podcast. Well, um, thank you for allowing me. I feel privileged looking at some of your... Uh recent company i don't know what i'm doing here but oh yeah you checking it out you on itunes or what are you at uh just podcast okay yep itunes yeah man i've been uh i don't know doing it for over two years now and having a blast doing it and you're actually someone i've been following and admiring for a long time because i fish saginaw bay oh yeah and uh you know i think your your reports are more welcomed more than you realize Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. I hope it helps. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's just get right into it. How did, you know, where, where you know, just kind of introduce yourself to everybody, where you're from, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll have a good conversation here. Yeah. So, you know, Martin Shaliga, good old American name. Um, you may hear, I hear my accent. I actually grew up in Poland. I was born in Poland. I lived there till I was nine. And like in 86, when like communism fell, 
we emigrated to Canada. Okay. Um, my I have two two older sisters. My mom, my dad was already here, but back then they wouldn't let the whole family leave. You know, one person could leave, but they had to come back before somebody else could go somewhere because they didn't want to lose lose their population. So, long story short, we emigrated to Canada. You know, I had to learn to speak English. I was in the fourth grade. Um, everything was good, and then like ten years there, you know, became became Canadian citizens and. Um, 10 years there, my mom married a U.S. citizen. I was still a minor. I think I was just starting my senior year of high school. Okay. So, so we moved up to Michigan, the suburbs of Detroit, and, uh, I graduated, you know, high school, moved up to the Saginaw Bay area. Um, and then I graduated high school. I enlisted in the Marine Corps. I was in overseas for all four years. I was I was in Okinawa, Japan, which is like the Hawaii for the Japanese people. Okay. And, and, you know, coming from Poland and Canada, I got over there and I wasn't leaving. I loved it there. (laughs) Um, You know, just it's like a 60 mile island with crystal clear hot water. And, uh, you know, I I just loved it. Um, They called it a hardship tour because you couldn't bring your family over there. But I'm a 19 year old kid. Um, drinking ba- age on on the base was 19, so I was in heaven, you know. Um, and yeah, I, so I, every year I would sign up to extend my tour, and it gave me a bonus. So um, I'd come back to the states for training or you know vacation. Um, then moved back here in like 2000. I was discharged and uh, just settled down here, and here I am. What did they say? Like you're on permanent vacation too long? You got to do something else or what? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean. You know, the, the being able to drink beer got old real quick um, as a 19-year-old, you know, especially when you're running at 5 in the morning. Right. And then, uh, so then I was like, man, I got I to, you know, I got to do something else. So um, I've always loved flying, and Canada would belong to a little, you know, nerdy air cadet group. I think it's like uh, Civil Air Patrol here in the States. So once a week, we'd wear our uniforms and march around and, you know, kept me out of trouble at least at one night a week. But... Well, as soon as I turned 16, uh, I won a, a gliding scholarship. So I packed a tent and went to this airport in, in northern Ontario and learned to fly gliders for two weeks. You get towed behind an airplane like 2,000 feet. You pull the rope, and then you're just soaring, um, looking for circling birds. And you get in there with them, and just the hot air, the thermal takes you higher and higher. You know, no engine, no nothing. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking let me do that at 16 but somehow i did it you know and then that was the extent of my flying until a couple years in the marine corps where i picked up some rank had some extra money and um learned to fly there dude you've already had like lived the life of way more than any of us ever have i mean that blows my mind that you just told me all that i don't even know where to begin with you but i guess Take us back, like, where did you, I guess, first learn to love and fall in love with fishing? Was it when you came to the Saginaw Bay area, or was it, did it start in Canada, or maybe even Poland? No, it started in Canada, not much in Poland. You know, my father, my father left for this, to Canada, you know, when I was two, so he was trying to, you know, get, everybody wanted the American dream back, you know, back then, so he was trying to get a sponsor to come over, and it was just corrupt, and it was just so hard, so... I, you know, I had two older sisters and my mom, you right. know, and, uh, you know, it was just a different world there. I mean, there's, there was, there was rationing for bread and, and just, you know, it was just nothing like here. So I didn't get exposed much to that. Um, it was just playing soccer, you know, you play soccer from morning till night and, uh, you know, it's football, you guys would call it. Right. I always bug my buddies that, you know, they play throw ball and the rest of the world plays football. But anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> So, you know, I moved to Canada and, you know, got reunited with my dad and he wasn't doing much here. Um, you know, he, he, he had some issues, but he would take me fishing once in a while. And, and his idea of fishing would be mom would make us some dough balls and get us some corn. And we would go under like a city overpass with like a oh, yeah. two, two foot deep, you know, creek. And he, he'd sit he'd sit under the bridge with his favorite beverage, and I'd be down there fishing. Oh, and you know, by nine years old, I loved it. Right. And we we wouldn't catch anything, or we'd catch a carp or something. But 
So finally, you know, I was like, you know, we got to get on some fish. So he took me to his buddy's uh, stock trout pond, like a swimming pool, just stacked with trout, right? And he puts on this little, you know, spoon with a treble, and I cast it in there, and I'm just just slamming fish, you know, half snagging, half catching. <laughs> and uh, so that was my extent of fishing, you know, as a kid. Just didn't happen. And, um but then I was out when I moved to the Freeland area, where we, we first moved to Freeland, which, you know, has the Freeland Walleye Festival, and it's close to the bay. Yeah. And I met the kids in high school there. It was my second, my third high school, my senior year. So I got good at making friends. But um, they're like, yeah, you know, we walleye fish here. So they started showing me jigging the river and, you know, from shore, nothing in boats. Mm-hmm. But I still didn't know much about the bay. I would drive around myself and look for lakes and try to rent rowboats or whatever. And I heard people talking, well, if you want to catch fish, you got to go in Saginaw Bay. And I didn't even know what that was. Um, so then I went away in the Marine Corps, obviously didn't fish, you know, much there, salt water and, you know, and, uh, came back and that's when I bought a boat, you know, then I was 21, uh, actually I was 22 and, uh, I bought a, a cabin cruiser and, you know, then I started learning about the Bay, which, you know, I, I only have been fishing, I mean, really since, since 2003 and I have not known what I was doing probably until 2007 or eight. And I haven't ice fished. I started ice fishing five years ago. So this is all new to me. You know, I, I, my, my wife ice fished more. She grew up here on the Saginaw Bay and, you know, she fished from high school to whatever. So she's over it you know we've got kids and everything and i'm just like this kid like oh my god oh my god i'm going ice fishing and she's like you're an idiot you've been up since three <laughs> you know and i have to keep reminder reminding her like this is i'm just discovering this and she's like oh yeah you're the foreign kid when did you when did you find or i'm sorry like when did you realize that like saginaw bay was such a special and unique area of the united states probably like one of the probably top five walleye fishing destinations well i i i when i first bought my friend had a boat so then he took me out there perch fishing by the spark plug and i loved it i've always loved boats you know in the marines we spent a lot of time on boats in the water diving you know so i just i've always just loved the water and uh went out in this little rinky boat with him and it was just like a cruiser you know a little cuddy cabin cruiser but i sat up front and we're catching perch and that was like 2002 but and then, so then I start talking more to guys at work that I work with, and I work for a big phone company here, so we're always you know talking, and they start talking about walleye and Saginaw Bay and walleye, and you know I'm like, oh, I, you know I caught a bass once, and they're like, you know, dude, you got to get on the bay. And, uh, so, <laughs> You're not even out there yet. <laughs> no, no. So so you know it's just it's all relatively new. But then I started reading a lot of books and. You know, just and then YouTube came around, so then you just you know, just like a sponge, you know, I'm trying to absorb all this information and um and then I finally started trolling just flat crawlers on bottom. Like that that was my thing. I had a I have a big to this day I have a big family boat. It doesn't like slow, it doesn't like you know, it, it you have to steer it. There's no you know, so I was putting like four ounce bottom balancers to try to get down because they're just, you know, going two miles an hour or one eight if it's calm, throwing bags out and trolling plates, everything to slow this thing down. Right. So it just, you know, we caught fish. We'd, we'd have a good time catching them on crawlers, but other times of the year just really struggled. And then, and then, uh, I don't know, something got into me probably seven years ago and just i think it was just access to more information like podcasts like these and you know youtube and what have you and then so then we started running crankbaits and spoons and then you learn the sonar and then just steadily progressed but um well well, dude you got the bug now right so i mean the walleye bug it sounds like and it's like what all of us go through and you know it's so, fr- I mean, at first we were talking about this in another podcast, like it's a frustrating at first to go after walleye because like your buddies were saying like, dude, you got to get out further. You got to go on, you know, the bay more to go to get after these fish. But when you, when you start to figure out whatever your program is, it can be whatever you want. It just makes it that much sweeter when you, you know, when you end up boating or you know, I'm, I'm sorry, netting your first walleye or getting your first limit. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I agree wholeheartedly because, and and you know, t- I'll have a, I'll go get a two man limit in two hours, and we got time to go golfing, and I'm home, you know, to help with the kids, and everybody's happy, and like, yeah, I got this figured out, and then you go out there for six hours and get skunked, yeah. and yeah, humbles, I, I'm yeah. like, and I'm like. I think it's harder to troll for six hours and not catch a fish than it is to catch one because everybody can just catch one by accident. Right. But it takes it takes skill to navigate around three million walleye and not catch one. So, like, I you know, I'm proud of that. Yeah, no, exactly. And like you're saying, like the one day you go out, you get your limit, you go golfing, and then it humbles you. And the next day you're like, wait, I was just running this program two, yeah. three days ago. Why? I mean, like you said, three million walleye. What the hell changed? That's right? walleye. Yeah, that's walleye. Yep. They're, you know, yep. they're a holes. Yeah. <laughs> and but 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 you know what? That that makes me want. Like I can't wait to get back out there. I get pissed, and and I want to find out what I did wrong. So. I'm, you know, I'm running cameras. I'm recording sonar. I'm, I go home. It's probably the next two days. I'm getting dirty looks because I'm still pouring over that trip, trying to learn what I did wrong. And then, and then we look at our GPS track, and it's like I tell my buddy David Tony that I fish her. So I'm like, hey, we caught two fish on these waypoints, and then we trolled another half mile. We picked up and ran back, but we, we we stopped like an eighth of a mile short of these waypoints. Like, what were we doing? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe those are both there, you know. So, like, you can almost tell what you did wrong. Right. Yeah. You know? And, like, I think I said this, too, early on an earlier podcast. Sorry to be redundant. But, you know, when I was getting into, like, walleye and really, like, starting to take it serious where I was like, you know, I got to up my game. I can't just go out there and catch one or two. Like, I really mm-hmm. want to be more consistent. I didn't go to you know, how to catch walleye books right away. What I, what I started with was, uh, Dick Sternberg's book, just walleye, like learning the biology about it, their behaviors, Mm. like, you know, why they live where they live, their spawning patterns, you know, their migration patterns. And like, I really tried to like learn the fish first. Then I got into, you know, what techniques work. And then I started to, you know, try to make those parallels between, what I learned about them and why, you know, the pros were fishing them uh, or get, catching them a certain way, at, you know, a certain time of year. And that, you know, that really helped me, I think, in the long run of, you know, just taking it to the next level where you're like, listen, I'm going to put the rod and reel down, hit the books hard, learn this fish, you know, their their biology and their, the way they live in their environment and then go from there. Yeah, I couldn't agree with me. I mean, that and that's the thing. It's like it's like you could read a book on sculptures, and but or how to sculpt a masterpiece but you know that then there's the go do it piece it's you know right so i have this, i have this library of books i love reading i love research my first one which i think maybe led me off course a little bit was walleye wisdom by like in fisherman oh yeah <laughs> you know and i'm just like highlighting you know they eat perch in the spring and this is the fall turnover period and you know so i'm just like taking all this information and then i and then but what that I love that book to this day, but it made me believe that walleye are glued to the bottom. Right. You know, and and now I'm running. I'm now I'm in thirty feet of water, running spoons like six feet down, and just nailing fish. Yep. So I don't know. I think maybe I mistook like river walleye hiding from current. You know that that you jig and and hug them. But I, for so many years, I'm looking at dive charts like how do I get my hot, hot and hot down to 26 feet? Oh, it's 290 feet out. Okay. You know, and, and it's, who knows what County my lure is in by now. <laughs> and, and it's just, it's just getting tangled in the prop wash. So I was just all about this bottom, 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 you know, for like probably six years. And then once in a while, when they happen to be on the bottom, I slam them with my, you know, four ounce bottom bouncer crawler rig. So it just validated like, oh, they are. I finally found them. No, I've been fishing under them for like 10 years. Yeah, yeah. we all know, you know walleye feed up too for the most part. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so, but I love it. But, I, you know, like I deer hunted for, rifle deer hunted in the UP for the first time in like 2003, you know. And, and we go out there and, and I'm like, okay. So my buddy's like, you know, I've got this awesome uh, hunting shack. It's basically my living room now. And, you know, they have this deer comes out at a, at a hundred yards and I just got done shooting for four years with like iron sights out to 500 yards. So like granted it, you know, it's, 
the target's not moving, but I knew I could do the shooting part if I can, you know, calm my heartbeat down. But the deer walks out, I shoot it, we go back, we have a fire, and we're done. I'm like, yeah, that was fun, but like, I'm like, I need more. Like, now I, I like, the, <laughs> I like the chase. I like the chase almost as much as like harvesting the fish. Like, so then I'm like, you know what? I I need more. I need bow hunting. I gotta get. I gotta outsmart this deer. Get with it. I want to backpack my stand in. I want to find a trail. I want to find a rub. I want to set up on it, and I want to be close. And you know, so then that kept me occupied for a while. And then it's like, okay, I'm, I need to do this with a recurve or like wear a suit made of apples and try to stab this deer on the pile, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and walleye keeps doing this to me. Oh man. Like I want to figure them out and I want to, I want to know why I caught it and I want to be able to do it again consistently. And it's hard. Oh, and it, they're different in different parts of the country. Like you go somewhere else and like no one trolls for them. They're like, it's all on a jig and a minnow or it's, you know what I mean? Or like, it's just, right. just a Lindy rig, you know, we're not, we're not trolling cranks for them or something like that. And yeah, man, they're, it's, they're a blast. It's endless. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. To, it's hard to describe, you know, it's like, you know, why are bass guys obsessed with bass? You know, it's the same thing with like, well, why are we obsessed with walleye? No, I mean, it's either you are or you aren't, you know? Yeah. And then, and then the, the part about it, you can't see underwater. So it's just, at any time you could you could pull out uh, like a record fish or you know like anything is possible because we can't see under there right. so you're, you're like a kid it's like watching the planer board is like watching a bobber go down you know to this day we still scream like little girls on the boat when it happens you know and it's just so much fun but i i do love trying to figure it out like sometimes we take hooks off our flicker shads just so they keep hitting the, the same lure on camera and see how pissed off they can get. <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't even care if we can. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good fish fry, but, but the chase to me and, and you guys are like mad know. scientists on the bay, just trying different <laughs> things and priding and poking them. Yeah. It's just fun. It's, it's like little explorers, you know? So, I mean, but you, you've got a different perspective than 99.9% of, walleye anglers how has well i guess tell everyone kind of about you know your website and and, and kind of what you do and and where the you know the flying has taken you know your your passion to the next level for and how you marriage that with uh fishing yeah well you know so when i learned about the bay ice fishing the bay five years ago i'm new we actually have a video post that i think is our very first youtube video and it's we go out to this like smooth ice spot in the bay. It's probably like eight feet deep, and there's like a clean, clean split, you know, a crack, and it's about eight inches wide. And we're like, nope, not doing it, not going across, you know, and just totally green to the bay. Right. No, I no idea. We're you know, goal is don't fall through and die. And we we walk up to it. You know, I'm spot. It's like ten inches of ice on either side. And I'm just, it's clear, you know, it's. But you're staring safe. down, you can see bottom. But I, I can see water. Oh, yeah, I okay. See, I can see wake. Like, like it's, it's an eight inch crack, but I can see water in the crack. Right, so yeah. I like put my spud bar down and it goes all the way to, you know, I can't feel bottom. And we're like, no, wait, no, my buddy's got a rope and just total new guy, just idiots, right? So, so we, we fished on the inside of that crack and you know, whatever. But now it's just, now it's like, you know, I can almost look at in the dark when I'm pulling up to something, if, if it's, you know, it's a shove or a crack or if it's open water. So you build that confidence. But if we didn't start out that way, we'd be the ones on the news. No, yeah, because you're right. it's like, Oh, somebody caught walleye uh, by buoy one. Let's go. You know, you have no idea which way they went, you know, which port you have no idea if they got there in an airboat. So that's why I'm like, you know what? Instead of flying over farm fields in the winter, I can just go fly around the bay. I, I, I told my friend, I'm like, I can get us some pictures. You know, satellite's not cooperating because it's always overcast. I said, I can. He's like, you can do that? I'm like, yeah, I'll go do it. I'm oh, like, this is so crazy to me, man. I just imagine if one of my friends did that, I'd be like, yeah, get up in the air. What are we doing down here? <laughs> no, he's like, oh, you think you should? I'm like, I think so. I want, I'm like, yeah, I can, I'll just fly over Linwood and I'll see if, if I can see a crack. You know, uh. like we have no idea what we're doing. 
And uh, <laughs> so, so I'm like, oh, we'll put this on Facebook. Well, so I put it on Facebook as mine, you know, my personal account. And, and it, these local guys I'm friends with are just cheering the hell out of it. Next thing you know, I'm getting friend requests from Kalamazoo and all these guys. And I'm like, oh, my God, I, I need a better, you know, these guys don't want to see my family pictures. They just want the ice pictures. So we started this little airborne angler, you know, cheese ball group that I could put pictures on and they could all join and see them. So the whole point of that is just really, and I was doing it for the ice fishermen that we were, we wanted to be safe, but I can't just, you know, hold on to that info. Right. I'm not going to, and I'm never going to sell anything safety related. You know, I, I want to be able to provide that. The whole point of, of the website and the thing is to, for them to have that little extra bit of information. But I, like I'm sure you've seen, I always warn them. I can't tell, you know, 120 miles an hour, 500 to a thousand feet up. I can't tell how thick it is. Just, just use that as one more little tool to, you know, to know. And, and well, it's great because you can, we can see, and you usually point out the cracks too. So if there's one that's forming out there, you know, for the most part, it's good to know and have that bird eye view because the crack can move, right? It can get bigger and get smaller. So yeah. one morning you're out there and it's fine. And then the next day, you know, or two, or you come back the following week, let's say you're doing it on the weekends, ice fishing, you know, that crack could open up big time based off of the wind, you know, and a bunch of other stuff. So, you know, a lot of people coming to the bay, that's, I think you guys, well, you did, you did it the right way where it's like you tippy toe out, you get to the crack, you got to learn it. It's very dangerous and very hard just to go out and say, oh, buoy too, I'm flooring it all the way out there. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. And yeah, I mean, I think I'm getting, like at first it was just, like I'm flying, you know, and I'm talking, you know, I'm talking to MBS airport and I'm, you know, I'm trying to stay staying out of their way. You know, they have they have airliners coming in there, and you know, I'm 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 just I got my iPhone out here and I'm monitoring the, the plane. You know, I still have to fly this thing and watch the engine gauges, make sure I don't have any engine trouble. Stay away from other airplanes. Stay away from birds and and you know. So sometimes I lose track. Like what man, everything looks the same in the winter. What road am I over? You know. Right. So so that that's how it started. It was real sloppy. So now I'm kind of starting to get a system. I've got an iPad, and I like last winter was really you know you saw how variable the ice was i would normally i I'll fly like once twice it locks up and we're fishing then i'll have a big wind storm and you know somebody will say i saw something so I'll, I'll hop in the airplane go take a look at it and then and then we're done you know and then i'll wait till i start hearing that the ice is getting a little sketchy and i'll go back up to watch the end of it you know right but this year was like i had to take vacation off work because i almost felt responsible knowing how bad it was out there and i live just three miles from the bay you know knowing how bad it was i almost feel like it's my fault if somebody gets hurt so you know i'm trying you know i'm getting money together to rent the plane and and you know fuel it up and everything to to keep this going but this was a this was a taxing you know winter i don't i don't mean to sound like i'm whining but I usually just, uh, my only requirement really is to fly one hour, one flight hour a month to, to, for my club to keep, you know, renting me the plane. And I flew a lot this year because this thing just wouldn't freeze up. Dude, this year sucked for ice fishing. Yeah. I, I bitched about it on this podcast a lot and people don't realize like how angry I was that, you know, usually every year we get out on Saginaw Bay a few times and, you know, yeah. the, the winter before that was really good. You know what I mean? Remember yeah. how thick the ice was two years ago? Yeah, and, and my friend bought a new triple, new shanty, you know, oh, so we're Jesus. blaming him. We're blaming him. Oh, man. Bad and, luck. you know, yeah, so I went, I caught one walleye in the ice this year and up a Burt Lake. Oh, you did, more, you did more than me, man, so don't worry about it. You know, and the thing is, and the guy's like, well, you can still fish, you can fish shore, and like, I know you can, but like, I love when there's just 18 inches and, yeah. the, and the cracks are tight and you can just blaze out there move around run and gun look for fish right you know have a good time and not worry about dying you know that yeah. i want to be able to relax out there yeah and in addition so, to the walleye too when you get out that far then you're getting into lake trout you're getting into oh, yeah. you're getting into the white fish and stuff like that so then then everything out there is just like a bonus like a jungle you're like you don't know what's going to come across on camera or whatever but yeah yeah man i feel your pain but i can tell you amongst me and my friends you're a legend so ha <laughs> 
Uh, we appre- I'll let my wife know. Maybe she'll let me go fly uh, yeah. somewhere. <laughs> Just say, man, hey, listen, man, I, my fan club's growing, Tyler. You, you got responsibilities, but um, no, it's awesome. And, you know, anybody who follows you and, you know, really goes to the, you know, I didn't know that your website, like that's what it was for, was to, you know, fuel the plane and rent the plane. I think that's awesome that you're sharing that with all of us. And hopefully people listening to this can realize that because we do, I mean, we, we look, we do look forward to your posts and your, your fishing reports and stuff like that. So I hope it, uh, hope people continue to donate. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, I don't want to, I'll never charge for an ice flight or any safety information or, or even most of the report stuff. I love sharing it. So I started the little Patreon site because if I could at least, I don't want to just have a donate button, you know, Right. That, that I, I, I'm not. I'm never going to do that. So I'm like, how can I at least break even doing this? Or, or you know, if if I don't, if if I can provide something useful in the summer, I'll have the budget to do all the ice flights I want. So you know, some people are fortunate enough to be able to help support me, and in return, I give them like a 15 minute video report where we go fishing. We really go scouting, so we do like the cardinal sin. As soon as we get like three, three fish or a program's working, we pack up and leave. We go to the next corner of the bay. We try to cover from Caseville to, to um, you know, Sunset to Linwood up to Standish or Agray even later in the summer. So, which we kind of, my buddy and I discovered like this is going to make us better fishermen because it's like four trips in one day. Right. You know, we use so we're, we're we're cruising around with sonar mapping it. We record everything. And then, so what I do for my, my supporters is I, you know, I get off the water and I look at all the footage, I synchronize the cameras with the sonar. So they know exactly what the sonar was looking at, what you can just look on the camera. That's what that boulder looks like on site imaging. Or we always, every fish we catch, we back up 30 seconds and then we show them what that looked like just before we, you know, cause obviously the lures are, you know, hundred feet back or what have you right so we back we back all the footage up and and then show them what was going on why we fished that spot and then we also show them where it is you know the gps for that spot we try to give them a little kill box of where we you know where we caught the fish and then guys i had a, i had a guy that doesn't fish a lot took his kid out and he caught a 26 inch walleye you know like that that's something i can give them for the support instead of just saying Hey, you know, I need some money for gas. I can, you know, I can go work overtime and, and get some money for gas. Right. But so, like I said, you know, I'm not going to quit my day job and this isn't going to support, support me and my, my family. But this past winter showed me like, like I was under pressure to go. I remember sitting in the airplane idling and like the clouds were like 1800 feet and then they would drop to 900 and then. And I, I just felt so much pressure to go, and I and I canceled that one. And I'm glad I did because I probably would have not made it back. But I just I'm you know that's it's kind of the downside. Like, hey man, when you when you're going flying again, it's like, well, I, I have work, and the kids have a basketball yeah, game, and, yeah. and, it, and so I got to be safe on top of that, right? You yeah, can't just go yeah. up anytime. Well, and that's what kills a lot of pilots, you know, is, is having that pressure to go when, when something in your head's telling you don't go, you know, not to go in this. And so I'm, I'm sitting there on the tarmac idling, making excuses like, oh, it'll be fine. It's probably clear over there. That's exactly how you talk yourself into trouble because there's nothing worse than being up there wishing you were back down. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I started this little, but I was surprised, you know, I also felt pressure starting this this little secret fishing group, and we've got close to a hundred guys in it now. And they they took over. They're they're sharing reports with each other because you know I get guys coming up from all over this all over the state, Muskegon, even local guys. They're like, when we're done fishing, we're handing this information over to the next group so you guys can stay on fish. And then when you guys are done, the next group can stay on fish. And we've yet to even see a boat next to each other. And there's so many fish out there. And it's such a large body of water. It's not like a little lake where you know they've got this little rocky hump and all the walleye are there. Right. You know, four four million walleye don't talk to each other and say, "Hey guys, let's go to the west side in, in ten feet of water." You know, dude, that it's so important that you guys are doing that, and that, and it's so refreshing to hear other people doing that as well. Because, you know, in the past, it, it was always so taboo to be like ask someone where they caught fish at. Right. You almost feel like you know, a jackass asking them or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. But at the same time, you, if that kid didn't catch that 26 inch walleye and maybe 
you know, they weren't able to share a report, he could see that like, wow, it's really hard to figure this thing out. That could turn a kid or a future angler off to fishing in the future. And and, it doesn't have to be like that. No, and we're not, and and it's not, I wouldn't do it in a small lake with, you know, five pontoons on it. Right. You you know, it's the Saginaw Bay. It's open to Lake Huron and fish, you know, fish move. Those walleye move every day. Right. And when you find a nice big pod, there's plenty of room. In fact, we advertise in our in our private group. Like when I catch a fish, I go live. Here's my GPS coordinates. I tell guys just be courteous. Get behind us, two three hundred yards behind us or to the side of us, and let's let's figure it out. Catch fish and go home. Right. And, and you know, I think it's big enough out there. Now Fourth of July weekend, do I expect these guys to share their spot if they know they're going tomorrow? No, it's fine. It, it's fine. If you want to share when you're done with your trip for for this month or this week so that the next guys can stay on it. Cause we don't fish the same days. You know, mm-hmm. I've got, I've got retired guys that fish every day. I've got guys that fish once a month and they don't want to drive from Muskegon and get skunked. Like, there's no need for that. Right. There's plenty of fish out there for us. Yep. I agree totally. And like you said, on your sonar, the things that you guys are sharing, you're showing things like, you know, side in, side imaging is, tough to read especially if you don't do it much or if you're trolling maybe you don't use it on smaller bodies of water but like if you get on like a large body of water it's pretty important how to figure out how to read your side scanner so what's a boulder what's a what's a fish hiding behind a boulder and things like that like the information that you guys are sharing and like what to look for is and i mean it's priceless yeah and i've got a i've got a video i'm going to share tomorrow i've already shared it with my supporters because i like to give them the good stuff first for you know as a reward for supporting me yeah and it's not safety related so i don't feel bad you know hooking them up with a little bit extra but um i'm gonna re- i'm gonna report that i'm gonna make that video available tomorrow and it basically shows how we we go troll and we find like a weed line or a piece of structure like that new reef and i actually use the reef in the video so you know you're trolling over it and wherever your boat is or wherever your transducer is, you hit mark and you have that waypoint, right? Mm -hmm. Well, in the video, I show them how you go home, you know, grab your favorite drink and uh, you can play back the recording as if you're out there and and mess with the settings. And then what I do is I drop waypoints all around the edges. Like I'll move my cursor, drop away from So when I'm done and you go back to your map screen, boom, the perfect outline, exact outline of the reef. So okay, it, so it's like a cookie crumb around the reef or where it's at, kind of yeah, like the trail you, you did. Yeah, but you do it off the water. So when when I go fishing, I'm always recording. I'm, I'm, I'm making a catalog of waypoints uh, for ice fishing, for casting, for, you know, marking the weed edges. And so the next time I go out, I don't, you know, you go to that waypoint, you're like, am I in the middle of the sweet bed i'm on on the inside outside you know you can basically draw it out right and then next time you go you know that's not something you're going to find on a lake master chip because it changes every year and they they just don't chart you know they have generic you know vegetation icons but not the weed edge so we go back there the next time run spoons over and have a great fishing trip speaking about that i mean I I know for a fact, if you're willing, I got to bring you back before ice fishing season because there's a whole bunch of more questions I want to ask you. But when you're, what have you noticed the fish behaving differently to the rising waters of the of the bay that, that you know, it's super high this year and it started kind of coming up last year as well. Have you seen their behaviors change at all? Um, I don't, I don't think I have enough, enough experience to say I've noticed their behavior change. I know that there was a lot of, talk about the perch guys that the perch weren't in the normal spots and they weren't sure if it was because now they can make it into the cuts to spawn because the water's so high or stay you know but i can tell you that you know the weed edges are going to change because obviously you know there's always like a cutoff for weeds Mm -hmm. um at 15 feet because that's how far the sun penetrates right and you know there's those factors well as you get more and more water you know it's going to affect that Right. Um, so I, I'm sure I'm sure the fish have been affected. Can I, you know, can I intelligently speak about how? No, not you know, not at this time. Okay, that's fine. That's fair. It's totally fair. It was just something that was curious that I had it just popped in my brain. Um, but so the other thing that I wanted to kind of talk about is, you know, 
if you go to your website, you've got such a unique way. It's not just uh, like you said, uh, you know, a blog post about a fishing report. It's it's so much more than that. And then you also have uh, you've been using that Spydro fishing camera. Yeah. Can, can you talk a little bit about how you discovered that, or or why you see it so beneficial in what you do and figuring out these walleye? Well, yeah. So my buddy and I get off the water skunk a few years ago, and like, what what happened? Like, I think I saw fish on sonar. And it's like you can find all these fishing videos of guys on backs of boats or netting fish or setting hooks, right? But what's going on under the water? Right. And and we're and we're and we're like, you know, let's put a flicker shad on. Okay, well, how fast can you go with this? I don't know. Some guy at the tackle store said one eight. Well, what happens at two five? I don't know. What happens at four? I don't know. So we're you know, we're online. All right, let's there's a camera. Like let's let's put this camera on and see what happens. So at first it was like, at first it was like more of an entertainment thing. Like wouldn't it be cool to see a walleye underwater, you know? Right. And so we got some footage, and then and then we're like, man, dude, this is a tool. Like we can. I want to know at what speed a flicker shad seven blows out. <laughs> like, can you tell me from the package? No. No. Does Berkeley have it on their website under specs? No. No. You know, so so we have a laundry list of footage we want to shoot and like, there's just not enough time ever to do it, you know? Well, and it, like you said, like then you can tweak your speeds and your bait based off of how that flicker shad's moving. You always hear about people like, Oh, you got to tune your crankbaits, tune your crankbaits. Well, I mean, I guess it works, right? If you just kind of drop it over the side and you kind of see how it's going in the water. But like you said, how's it going when it's 60 feet back or, yeah, or, you know, and like you said, I, when you drop the speed or, you know, the wind and the current or, you know, that you're right. I mean, the fish are going to react differently to that crankbait based off of its movement and how it's, you know, what they want that day. I've, we always, I agree. And we, we always wonder like, were we just not over fish? Is it possible to troll for six hours at two to cover 12 miles of water in the Saginaw Bay and not catch a fish? Is it, is that, and we're just looking at each other, having lunch. Like I don't know. So you know, we'd run home, download this. You know, I, I had I had a water wolf at first. You know, I, I got one as a gift, and I was because I kept telling you know family I would love to see what's going on down there. I suck at fishing, and you know, we're in water wolf. Great camera. It was just cumbersome because you have to open this cap. You know, and it obviously that it introduces a potential for leakage right right then there's an sd card in there and then there's an on off button and you really and I, is it recording is is it not there's a light i think anyway so we we did that for a year and and uh the problem was we couldn't do it on the water like i i we'd go fish and i'd have to go home download it and then i i realized that my my crankbait's dragging bottom for 10 minutes right well, then that you know, does you know but, good because that costs you another time or day off or whatever it is that you know to figure out how to yeah, get back out yeah, there it just it was great it was great for entertainment and and you know but we're like how so then we're, we're trying to rig our aqua views on like on a slider on a on a on a stacker line you know trying to to do something real time and we still can't get real time, but then so we're searching and I'm like, dude, have you seen the Spyro cam? And it's like it's hands free, it's just water activated, it's got internal storage. It can it can just stream live to your phone or an iPad. It's like no, no, you know it doesn't stream live underwater. You know I want to make that clear. You know the Wi-Fi does not work on right, but it it in itself is a Wi-Fi hotspot. So. It's got these different recording settings, like a 30-second clip, one minute, two minute, or 10 minute. So we always set it on 30 seconds. I put, you know, if I, maybe I want to be real close to the bottom, but make sure I'm not. So I'll put a snap weight in front of it, and like let's check the let's check the dive curve on this two ounce snap weight. You know, I know the camera's still there, so that's going to be some resistance, but it'll be close enough. So we put it down there, hold the hold hold the rod tip in the water as if it's on a planer board wait a minute reel it back up I'm like dude we're in a good zone here i'm about two feet you know off the bottom and i saw a walleye you know okay so just having that ability in the boat and right. then I, we we switch it over to 10 minutes i synchronize it with my sonar and it goes overboard and you know and then we have a gopro on the boat that's just a master time clock so i can tell hey 
right now we're you know we're in 12 feet of water I'm, i've got 65 back flicker shad 7 2.5 and and i i always know what was happening underwater when i caught that fish we put it in the neutral and and the fish goes past the lure then you put it back into drive and it comes back and hits it you know it's just amazing to be able to learn from that it's just i wish we just had more time on the water to experiment because we're just getting started you always hear about like old timers and you know maybe your grandpa had a uh, a log book of like what he was doing that day the time of the day uh what time of year it was the water temperature you know, like all that kind of stuff but like this could be like your digital version of it and you could have it on like your files and then upload it to your phone and, and you know what i mean like it's like oh yeah it's like a journal you know in the future it's it's intense but i think it's like you said you're not you're not using the camera it's not on all your lines or you don't just constantly have it in the water. You use it as a tool. You take that information and then you put a program together for it. And I think that's, it's super cool, man. It's fun to watch too. Your guys' videos that you post about it. Yeah, I can, I can tell you, you know, it's like we go fishing and I'm excited, you know, we're fishing and I'm excited, but then, so you get back to the dock and it's like, Oh, you know, back to doing the honey do list, but wait, I've got like six hours of footage <laughs> to watch. So it's like, I'm excited to get home and that's right. Know, sne- I'm like, hey, honey, you know what you need me to do? Because she knows I want to get on the laptop and see what I got. Like, I have all this gigabyte of info. And, and I'm, I mean, some of the bottom, I'm the first person to see it. Oh, You know what I mean? Like, I feel like a little modern-day explorer. I mean, I guess somebody could contest that, but. Yeah, man, it's, you know, it makes Saturday nights that much more fun, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and we have big plans <laughs> to go out. <laughs> we have big plans to go out to, like, grindstone area in the tip of the thumb and Agre and tawas where there's super clear water yeah you know and yep. the charity islands yep and you know we only had one camera last year now we've got five so it's like we can get some good footage and i would love to see like walleye come out of those rock yes piles and yes i know exactly what you're talking about you know i would just i could watch that stuff for days and my wife's like you're an idiot what are you what are you watching I'm like, I don't know if there's a bunch of boulders here. I never knew they were there. Well, you got to change it. You got to change your game plan too. Cause it's not like fishing the inner bay. Now you're on the outer bay, like up by the thumb, like you said, out by that yeah. way, you know, it's big boulders. It's almost like up by like Mackinac or something like that. Or like, you know, Lake Michigan type water where mm-hmm. you got these huge boulders and you go over the top of them. Well, you can't see the walleye. You know what I mean? You, right. You're right. like you said, they're down there and there's crevices. So it's like, you got to get those boards way out. You got to get those crankbaits way out. And then for some reason, they're like zombies. They pop up out of the ground like daisies and smoke these things. And they're huge. And I, and they come up and they, like, I have a video I just put up that a walleye came out to my flicker shed and smelled it and then just left. Oh, I'm what? like, what, is, what is that? What Who an asshole. That? You know? And, and so it's like, and when we got skunked, we're like, dude, we were overfished. We were in the right spot at the right time. Yeah. We just got lazy. We didn't try new, you know, new presentations. Like we were overfished. This is our fault, you know. Bringing it full circle back to like you said, like that's what grinds you. That's what that's what humbles you, and that's what gets you back out on the water to be like, I'm never, not I'm never not going to do this. Like not I'm not giving up. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. Like I'm not going to let them. They might win one day, but you're going to come back and figure out and. Yeah, and, and to this day, I don't think there's any pro out there that can just be like, I'm going to go out there with this lure and catch a fish right, like, you know, n- no, nobody can do that. And to this day, with all the technology we have, you know, they're really good fishermen. They're going to catch fish, but none of them are like, I'm going to go out there and say, man, win, win this tournament because they don't know. Right. So I don't think I'll ever get to that point where, where I shot that deer with the rifle. I'm just like, this is kind of boring now right like, like I, you said you I, had to I'm take like, it to a new level right and and i don't think they're ever gonna let me and it's gonna drive me nuts and something like the bay man it just seems so endless doesn't it like so many it, so many crevices and like little honey holes out there i mean it's endless you don't you could like you said you could drive to the other side of the thumb and then you're fishing in like totally different kind of water i when i go fly i i think like oh you know we're covering a good good spot of this bay. No, you're not. It's like 25 feet deep most spots, right? <laughs> yeah. And my sonar is looking at a 20-foot circle. Like, you didn't even scratch the surface of this water. Then I'll go flying, and it's like, this thing is huge. Yeah. And I can see a little boat over there and a boat out of this port. And then 
these guys are like, yeah, the fish are on the east side in 20. What's that mean? That's like a hundred square miles. Where where are they? Right. You know, like that's that that's nice that they're saying there's fish in twenty, but that's a lot of real estate. <laughs> very vague. Very vague. You know, and and I understand you have gr- some fishing groups have thirty thousand guys in them, and you just you know you put that information out there, and people are afraid that they're just gonna swarm you know that spot, and like I understand that, and and some people you know to tell you the truth. I didn't like asking people for coordinates. I mean, but I, I, I was fortunate to have access to the bay a lot so I can go fish a lot. Yeah. So I don't, I don't judge people that ask. I, I think that anybody can ask me, I'll let them know. But I wanted to figure it out on my own. Like right. that was part of the chase for me. Mm-hmm. But then you still have to catch them, you know, so I could tell you where they are. But uh, that doesn't guarantee, you know, one, they swim. And two, they're hard to catch. Yeah, and they're—I mean—they're—they're they're constantly moving, constantly moving. It's not like they're just, for the most part, you know. Oh, this is where you'll always find walleye. You know, like you said, they're there one day, and they're—and then you know they're not there the next. Even same day, like you do a pass, right. you know, do a pass at seven in the morning, and you're like, oh man, we we nailed them. Let's go back. And well, now the wind picked up a little bit, or the sun came up, and they're like, no. Like, <laughs> what do you mean, no? I just caught, I just picked up lines and came back the half mile. Right. So, you know, there's so many variables from from second to second, you know, it's just it's just always keeps you on your toes. Anybody ever give you any shit about like how helpful you are? Not yet. I mean, yeah, actually there I found some things out there. You know, I found with I found some things with site imaging and I like to go explore them. I'll drop the camera and 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 there's some and I understand this and there's some fishermen out there that maybe tournament fish or this is their home body of water right and they're and they're just like dude don't put that online it's like their last honey hole and you're gonna ruin it and 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 i i never thought of it that way like i love sharing like it's fascinating to me and i'll get a message in my inbox and i'll be like you know all right like i i don't i don't have to put this out there it's not a safety thing you know right if it's a safety thing i don't care i'm putting it out there if the ice is bad you know I didn't. I didn't want to discourage any charter fishing this winter. I I love the charter guys. They're great. I think they promote the area and get people on fish safely. But if the ice doesn't look good to me, I'll just say it doesn't look good to me. I'm you know, right. Un- unless I go verify it, that's what I'm gonna say. But but look look at it for yourself. You know, I'm not just giving you a blind report on a on a text and saying hey, it doesn't look good. Like look right and it's just another tool you know what i mean you gotta take it with a just grain of salt. one little tool yes yep and use it for what you and if a much. if a charter guy goes out there with a spud bar trust that not my airplane flight mm-hmm. you know every time yeah you like you said you're how many thousands of feet up you're just yeah for the most part doing the best you can going 120 miles an hour yeah, I just want to show like the big open water like that's the one thing i can guarantee you when i see ripples when I see ripples on there, mm-hmm. that's not a good spot. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been on the bay. I'm going to tell you not to go ice fish there. It's water. Well, that's and cool, man. And if it snows or something the next day and it's got a skim ice, dude, we you're down you're a down to earth dude and I I think you're doing all the right things and I think like you said, I mean, don't feel I mean, you're responsible enough just to share what you know, but like you said, you're putting it out there for people to digest, chew on it and figure out for themselves. You're just another tool, uh, you know, providing something that a lot of fisheries don't even have, you know, like, I don't know if there's someone that flies over Mille Lacs and, you know, can provide this kind of information or, uh, you know, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's, you know, like it's, it's not cheap. You know, it's, you're, you're renting an airplane. The, the fuel is five bucks a gallon and there's insurance and, and, you know, everything. So, I'm sure a lot of pilots fly over a Mille Lac. Then, then whole GoPros up, then come home and edit it, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then get it out. Like, Oh, I got you. Oh. For, you know, for what? Right. Like, you know, I'm never going to charge for it. You know, you have to be sick to charge access for some safety information. So it's not going to make me any money. <laughs> right. And that's my biggest fear is what if next, you know, I've got a daughter going to college that this isn't a priority for my family. 
So I'm thought, you know, if I can just squeak by in the summer and, you know, then I can just keep doing this. And, and well, I think I, w- I would love to have another pilot in this area do it on the days I can't or, or take over. Like, it's not a competition. I think it's the more the better. Dude, flying a plane, I think, blows most people's minds. So I can't imagine what you feel <laughs> sitting on the runway. Do you ever get nervous before you go up? Or is oh, it like... Yeah. Oh, you do? Okay, that's good to know. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a single, you know, it's a single engine airplane. The the one good, I got to say, the one good thing about the bay is like, if, if it's frozen or shore ice, I know I can put it down there. Right. But but 99% of flying that I do around here, if I have passengers or not, is I'm just looking out the window. Where am I going to put this down if the engine goes out right now? God. How about now? How about now? How about now? Because it, it can, you know... That's the the engine failure or a fire in flight or hitting a bird, Man. you know, or God forbid, I hit another airplane. But I can't imagine. That's what I'm saying. Like, I <laughs> good luck finding another airplane or a pilot that's going <laughs> to fly over and do this all for some fish and keep everybody, yeah, or, you know, or th- Facebook likes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but, but I I like the information. I I yeah. think people. I think it does help. I, I was, you know, I didn't want to say anything while while this season was happening and. I was flying. I was flying up to Agre, and then uh, if the bay was frozen, I could save about an hour's flying by crossing the bay by the charities, and then come down the other side. But when the when the bay was sketchy, I don't have permission to cross it. Mm-hmm. Unless you know, I I have to. The, the club rule is like I can't put it in the water. Our insurance doesn't. You know, that's not an option. Okay. So if it's frozen, I can land on it. It's perfectly legal. So you know, as long as I stay 500 feet away from a shanty. That's the rule. I can go. I can fly one foot off the ground if I want. Wow! Um, but you can't do that over a city. You can't. You can't do that over any person or object. But if there's nobody there, I can land. I can fish. Whatever. It wow. doesn't matter. But there's also a catch-all rule that says don't fly any lower in which you couldn't successfully deal with an emergency like an engine failure. So, you know, in the ice, it's kind of easy because I know I can always put it on the ice. And probably walk away. The airplane might get beat up, whatever, but I can walk away. You know, in the summer, you've got I seventy five. Do I land? Do I land with the traffic at around sixty, uh, or do or do or do I come in forward so they can see me in the windshield? They're not going to see me in the rearview mirror. So what, what do you do? Is there power lines across that spot? Is is there a bridge coming up that I can't get over? You go, know, go land in the sugar beet field somewhere. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Corn. I can't. So, yeah, I can't imagine. You know, I, get, I, I get. I get nervous, and then the weather in the winter. You know, I, I can't. I can't fly in clouds. You get iced up, and the, you fly through a cloud. It'll ice the plane up, and you're done. You just fall out of the sky. It happens to airliners to this day. And I don't have any anti-icing equipment, or you know, any of that fancy stuff. It's a. <laughs> the airplane's a 1963. Jesus Christ! It's in, but it's inspected to you know really good club, awesome maintenance. It's it's basically as new. Um, but you know, yeah, I mean, I have to comply with all the regulations. I have to stay safe. Then there's pressure to go. And the thing is, weather is like ninety nine percent of it. I have to have you know good visibility, and the clouds have to be at least you know at least two thousand feet above the ground, so I can get a thousand and still stay out of them and. And make sure an airplane doesn't come through the clouds, and then I we don't we only see each other at the last second. So there's a lot to go in it. So I have to get the airplane schedule, work schedule, checking account, the wife, and weather, the wife, and the wife w- schedule, the wife schedule, kid schedule, <laughs> weather schedule, and I need for the, for the bay. You know, so when those all align, you know, I gotta go. Man, I gotta go and try to get in. And then while, what I was getting to earlier was. We, we had the worst ice conditions as far as teasing us as I can remember of any year that I've been fishing. Like, it's usually locks up or it's water. But right. this was just like, it's almost good and then you get some wind or you'll get some snow. On the, yeah. I was like, man, so I, you know, I, was, I was flying any chance I could to let people know and we did good. We had zero fatalities. And then I felt horrible because I would always turn around around Agre. Because, you know, the, the outer bay rarely... Lake Huron doesn't freeze. Right. I mean, what the polar vortex year it did, but nobody's going to fish 300 feet of water usually out there. No, and if it's that kind of year, everyone's looking and eyeing up Erie, anyways. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I would turn. I, I would. 
kind of go to Aw Gray, and then this I was kind of neglecting the East Side guys because I was a West Side guy, and it would take me about an hour to go from Bay City up to Aw Gray and come back down. So that's an hour flight time. You know, I can. That's what I kind of have my you know bank for. Well, they eat. So then I start. I started feeling bad for the all the East Side guys. So I'm like, all right, I'll I'll just you know I'll go up there and maybe turn around at Sea Wing. Well, then they're like, well, can you get can you get Caseville? We got a Caseville. I'm like, what am I supposed to say? No. <laughs> so I so I started going up to Caseville. Well, this year we had the gentleman that went in in Tawas. I'm like, I didn't know people fished Tawas. Oh, dude. Like, that's that's like it's like eight minutes flight time from. Ah, great! Like I can swing that eight minutes up, eight minutes down. That's six. That you know. Set your so, boundaries, man. I would just set a boundary. Be like, listen, you're lucky to be getting this. This is what I can do. No, I know, but but when you you know when, when when I get through, and I'm not trying to take credit for no fatalities, but I'm sure the information helped, especially with the frequency I flew in. Right. But like, it feels good to know, like guys guys are messaging me. Hey, man, I was planning to come up from Flint. I'm not coming. That looks horrible. Oh, that's you know, awesome. I'm like, I'm like, hey, you know, sorry to ruin your trip, but I'd rather you stay dry. They're like, no, no, thank you. You know, thank you for, for doing this. But when, when that guy, maybe I would have seen that crack because I think he was heading to shore. You know, you always think if you're heading to shore, you're safe, right? The, right. the bad stuff's always behind you. Well, with, with Tawas being this, you know, fish hook shape, he was technically going to one of the shores, but it he was the middle was the bad spot like opened up like a slice of pie oh so shit. maybe i would have seen that on the last flight and and you know so then i'm sitting at home like man maybe i would have seen that is that on me yeah you know but i never made it up there well yeah i mean that's that's something i think that you i mean obviously you're working it out with yourself but i i can say from a spectating and someone who's obviously super appreciative of what you do, I think you're doing, you're going above and beyond. Like we're, we're spoiled, put it that way. We're super fortunate and spoiled to have you up there giving us those reports. And like I said, man, uh, me and my friends, I mean, we think you're the bee's knees. So I'm, I'm glad you enjoy it. And people have been great. You know, people have been great. And I, I just, my biggest fear is not being able to do it right. or, or not being able to do it as, when when people need it yeah it's not, you know so so you know like i said i'm not trying to become a millionaire on fishing reports in the summer but that those guys really do help and they understand and you know some of them don't even fish they're just like hey man i, I appreciate what you're doing but like i said i don't want a donate button i want to so i try to give them education I, i've got like really good fishermen on, on there better way better fishermen than i am but they're like hey i'm I've been fishing the bay for 40 years. I have a $2,000 sonar, and most of the time, I just look at what time's on there. So I know when it's time to go back. And right. I, I'm, so so then I do feel like I can. they're getting something for that, you know, 33 cents a day or whatever it is I'm charging. So, yeah, I can make you a little video on how to, how to use this setting, you know, from, from what I know. It's so original and unique, and I think that's what is so appealing to me. It's like... You know, like I, I keep saying, like no other body of water has this kind of features or benefits of someone being able to do this kind of stuff. So I think what you're doing, and that's why I wanted to get you on the podcast today, is anyone who goes to Saginaw Bay or was thinking about Saginaw Bay, you need to check out the Airborne Angler and you need to reach out or go on his website. You know, it, it's totally worth it to to use it as another tool in your bag to not only be safe but also to catch more fish. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. I would love to provide lakes and Lake Erie and what have you. It's just, you know, there's just limits on how much I can do with, with where I am in life right now. Oh, I get it, man. I do. There was, I mean, we're at an hour right now. There was so much more that I want to talk to you about, but I would love to have you back on here again, if that's cool. Yeah, if you can't book somebody famous, give me a call. I'll be around. Oh man, it's this is the best. I said you're famous in my eyes. Like I said, <laughs> I've been following uh, just, you for just, a while. You're the man. Just wait till I walk into the kitchen. I, right, you know where I am right now. I'm in the pole barn in my truck. Oh plan shit. B, the plan B is to hide in the back seat if the kids come looking for me. <laughs> but thanks, wife's doing a good job of keeping them. Well, tell busy, her thank so. you. Tell her I thank will. you. I really appreciate this, man. This has been great. And where can people find you or follow you? And uh, yeah, give a give a little bit of a shout out. Yeah, it's just 
Facebook page is The Airborne Angler. There's a gentleman in Georgia, I think, that's a fly fisherman that's Airborne Angler that Mike Avery and I discovered by accident. But, oh, okay. Um, I'll give him a shout out. I haven't talked to him, but um, The Airborne Angler on Facebook, The Airborne Angler on YouTube. I'll, I post anything I can. I think I'll have a really neat video tomorrow I want to post on using that side imaging. And if I have any supporters, they know they're on Patreon, um, The Airborne Angler. Awesome, man. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, looking forward to getting you on here again. Thank you, Lee. That's it, everybody. Did you guys like that one? I hope you did. I really enjoy talking to Martin, aka the Airborne Angler. Make sure you go check him out on all his handles on Instagram, Facebook, and over at theairborneangler.com. And check out what, you know, what he has to offer on Patreon, you know, kind of go through some of his content that he has. Uh, I think you can learn a lot of information from not only from what he obviously is posting with him being up in the air, but he also provides a ton of great information about how to use your GPS and your sonar and how you're, you know, to use your, if you have one, a spydro fishing cam, or maybe you want to, to learn more about Spydro Fishing Cam and you want to see it in action, check out the airborneangler.com and what Martin is posting. He's giving you guys a lot of great content and make sure you continue to support him. And uh, anyways, other than that, again, thanks for listening to the podcast. And remember to subscribe on iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, a lot of people have Spotify nowadays. We are on Spotify um, at the Freshwater Bite Podcast. And as always, everybody, make sure you follow me on Instagram and thank you for listening.